Before you're seated this morning, I just want to give you my passage real quick. We're going to go to John. We're wrapping up week four here in relevant relationships. But John chapter 19, verse 17 through 19. Let's just read it together. It says, and he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. Next slide, 18. Whether they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the center. But this is the best part. Now Pontius Pilate wrote a title and put it on a cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Y'all don't know, it wasn't supposed to say that. It was speculatory. But God puts things in perspective. When truth is due, truth comes out. It didn't say he proclaimed to be. It says it was a statement, not an accusation. Jesus of Nazareth, the king on the Jews. My subject this morning is legacy. And as you take your seats, just find somebody, touch your neighbor, tell them, what is your legacy? That's our cool way of saying you may be seated. Sometimes people just keep standing. And I'm like, no, you can sit. It's cool. Like, sit down already. Come on, people. No, we, we, we just like to keep it interesting to keep you awake for the sermon because you got to stay awake. Otherwise, I won't preach good. If I don't preach good, then I'll go home and cry to Michelle, and then Michelle will be slapping me around. Like, Get it together, Pastor. But this is week four. If it's your first week, we are so glad to have you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking time out of your day to come into God's house. You can clap for that. It's a, it's a dying breed to be a Christian that lives with active faith. It's a dying breed, but we believe God will reinvigorate the dead with his word. And those who have died in their roots will get new life in their garden, and they're going to come to church too, and they don't even know it yet. That's what we believe. That's why we do this. But we've been working through our relationship series. And who knows, who remembers the first three weeks? Does anybody besides me remember the first three keywords we did? Anybody? Come on. One week. Half a week. Anybody, just raise a hand if you remember one of, the, one of the points. Even with the replays, you still don't remember? It's all right. I'm used to it. That's the way it goes, preaching. The first week was value. The series is called Relevant Relationships. How do we make our relationships that exist now and future ones relevant? And we picked out four words. And the first word was value. The second word was integrity. The third word was companionship. And the fourth word today is legacy. By the way, if you're a Facebooker, if you could check in, that'd be awesome. It helps spread the message at One Seat Church. And again, if it's your first visit, give us three times and you'll be calling us family. We pray that God will root in your heart something special in this place. But give us three visits in a row and we promise you God's going to do something amazing in your life. And that's not a gimmick. That's the word of God being active in people's hearts. So this message, Legacy, I was thinking about it and um, I came across this video yesterday. It's weird. Sometimes I'll write a message weeks in advance, but then right before fresh illustrations come and I change it up. And this video came to mind. And before y'all judge it and get confused by what the content is, let me explain it after. Just take it for what it is. Go ahead and roll that, Jen.
How many know that was five years ago? That's why the time was wrong, and that's why they look a little bigger. Give it up for Chloe and Caleb. They're in kids. Chloe is my daughter. She was up here singing. And, um, yeah, I was, a, I was a church Nazi back then, too. <laughs> Just kidding. So we were, see, I was looking back and thinking about all the steps and what we've done with our time, and that video reminded me that that's when God said, you need to go buy some video equipment. You're going to do something. I don't know what it's going to be, Larry, but it's going to be some equipment. And I know you've never used video equipment, and it's not really your strong suit, but you're going to go buy some stuff off of Amazon. Go figure. And um, you're going to get some little Cowboy Studio lights and pigtail lights, and you're going to get a green screen, and you're going to learn how to do green screens. And you got this, this, these ideas, and so we were trying to figure out how to use the green screen, so I made my kids be my test dummies. And the reason she was in so much pain is because the lights were melting her face off. It was so bright. Now they got nicer little LED panels, but back then they were hot like fire, lights brighter than these, and she was just being tortured. But that was five years ago, and that came up because we were watching old video clips that we have on a computer, and nobody says VHS, you know, now we stream our old video clips from our phones that we back up, and, and all these clips were coming up and I had forgotten so many things and, and we came across our baby dedication, uh, you know, you know the ones you put on the screen during the dedication to show people like the pregnancy and the birth and it's real dramatic and stuff and you got Lifehouse music playing because Lifehouse was the cool thing to play and all your Christian videos like 10 years ago. And so, so, so we had Chloe's dedication video and I remember, I remember her, Michelle getting pregnant and then we went through KK's and then we went through, um, Colton, and then we went through Kaylee's, and it just, it really was cutting through me like butter, Vincent, because I'm pretty good at hiding my emotions in church, but when I watched my kids change right before my eyes, and my myself looked different, and my wife looked different, but still really good and really young, let me might add, still looks great, but, but I could see change was taking place, and there was this funny, there was this funny clip, I know it's crazy, but when my child was born, I was so scared of her not knowing Jesus, that I went and bought every Jesus video I could find, and they had these really cheesy, corny, claymation 
animation like animated Jesus story videos and they weren't near as cool as the Disney movies, which I bought those too because we felt like we had to buy every Disney movie. It's our first kid and we did all this and she's sitting on a boppy pillow with six, like six months old with a bottle in her mouth watching these Jesus videos that she did not like because I, I perched her up on that boppy pillow. But see, I was so fearful. I was so fearful that she would not know Jesus. I mean, she was only six months old, dad, chill, that I felt like it's what I had to do. And it just, it, by the way, Kaylee, when I started crying on the couch. I started crying. And um, I was just like, I wasn't tearing up. I was crying, like just visibly bawling my eyes out like a, you know, like a dad seeing his babies growing up. And, and Kale's my youngest, she's four. She's sitting over here and she looks over and she's just looking at me with this curious, confused look like she never seen that. And her mom comes over and she's like, what's going on? She says, my eyes are watering. And I'm like, oh, she's crying because daddy's crying. You know, she says, no, my eyes are watering. I'm like, no, you're crying. You're crying. You're feeling the moment like me. And so then a few hours go by, we go to our swim list and we come home and I go, Kaylee, remember she's four. Who, who knows Kale's in here? She's, she's, she's crazy. I said, you were really crying with dad, weren't you? She said, no, there was something in my eye. I said, forget you then. I'm serious. Yeah, she's four. Anyway. But all that circulation of content, even back then, we were taking steps towards something, but we didn't know where we were walking. That was for a different church. We just thought, this might be cool. How do we take steps? I didn't know God was transforming something into something else. And this idea of legacy, there's a legacy being left with everyone we know, everyone we love, especially those who look up to us, those little children. When we think of stories that stand the test of time, I don't know about you, I might be dating myself here, but I think of Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson, Bill Gates, I'm a programmer. What I, I got to throw in Bill and many others. But when we really take a deeper look at what stands the test of time, there's only one legacy that lasts, and that's Jesus Christ. The rest of them don't last and don't matter because this time shall fade away, but eternity is forever. And so, you see, what we invest in our relationships is part of what we're building in a legacy of something. What we invest here on earth is temporary, but no matter what we do, what job we have, what relationships we make, what car we drive, how cool we are, the fruits of our investment have the opportunity to stand the test of time only, everybody say only, when they are centered in the things that God has deemed to be eternal. Only those things will stand the test of time and you'll see them in heaven. Legacy is a word that many don't feel qualified to use in their own life. Well, that's, that's like, you know, that's like Kobe Bryant stuff, or that's like LeBron James stuff, or that's like Bill Gates stuff. But I could never be attached to a legacy that lasts forever. And so we disqualify ourselves from being a part of something great, something that matters, because we've categorized ourselves into fitting these molds that the world has deemed important, but they're actually worthless a lot of times. Like the duck face. I'm part of the duck face legacy. What is it? You, Every photo? Come on, somebody. Is am I the only one that knows what the duck face is? I know it's weird. But that goes away when you die. The duck face don't go with you. And it never was good to begin with. But the greatest legacy 
are the ones that will stand the test of time. And you all, every one of you, insert name, that's my new thing, insert personal name here, have the opportunity to pass down the things that will surpass this world with the things that only God can see in the future. You have, a, you have an opportunity to be a piece of that puzzle that God built. Really, you, even you, even me. We have an opportunity to pass down the things that will surpass this world with only the things God's seen to see in the future. And your relationships are your doorway to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And you shall be a piece of the puzzle that makes heaven sing. It's not if. If you partake in the message of Jesus to spread the gospel as he has commissioned us to do, you shall be a piece of the puzzle that changes lives for all eternity. You can clap for that. Come on, somebody. Just because we can't see it don't mean there's no value in it. Just because we couldn't see the sins forgiven didn't mean it wasn't better than raising up from the dead. You know what I'm saying? That's the problem with the people back then, and we still get comfortable in that now that what we don't see is greater. Well, they just didn't have drums today. And, and did you see they got a little off tempo and all this thing? You know what? The gospel is being spread. And eventually it will be cool when the world receives this word. And so as we spread it, it will grow. It's a good thing. It's exciting. You didn't know this church was already full and in three services. Yeah. It just hasn't happened yet. You didn't know we got a building going up down the street in five years, the building. Yeah, it's 20,000 feet. It's going to have five acres of parking lot because it's 100 to 125 spaces per acre in order to fit the 20,000-foot building so you have enough square foot for each person so you can have a 1,000-person auditorium. You know you got to plan some stuff. So it's already done. We're just waiting for it to happen. Amen. Sorry, I get excited. You got to see it to believe it. Not with these, with this. It's a spiritual revelation. And when I see Jesus for who he really is, what he really did, I'm not going to see it like this. I'm not going to feel it like this. Though, let me add, he's tried and tempted every way like us. And if he wasn't, we could never relate to him. So when you say, my life's no good, I didn't get that. It's not fair. Jesus says, I got it worse. I felt it worse. Yeah, I was conceived of the spirit, but I was tempted and tried and I felt pain just like you. I feel your troubles and then some. So you don't have to ever feel lonely because Jesus can relate. When he took on the sin in the garden, he could relate to your problems and fix them. What legacy are you building? Anybody know what hand-me-downs are? You know, anybody has got kids know what hand-me-downs are. Why is George wearing Susie's? Overalls, because they're hand-me-downs. They're still good. We ain't going to get rid of them. That's, that's $5, 1982. We're going to keep them. So the problem with hand-me-downs is the kids get the good things and they get the bad things. And sometimes you just want to give them their own thing, you know? And, and sometimes it's fun for the kid because they get, they get to, like, associate, hey, this is mine. I can't think um, at this very moment, but we've had that issue with Colton because Colton's, like, kind of in the middle. I got Chloe, Caleb, Colton. Kaylee. It was a genius move to name them all C's. It was genius. That's why I say all four when I need to call one, because I can't keep them straight. So, so Colton, he's always in the middle. And I, I never thought the middle child thing was a thing, but it really is because he's always in the middle of everything that's happened. Chloe's the first. She gets this. Kaylee's the baby. She gets this. Caleb's the first boy. He gets this. 
But eventually, you know, the kids want something different. But, but you know, we're trying to save money, so we, we give them hand-me-downs. We don't go buy new bikes when the bikes they have grew were great for the next generation, but now Kaylee wants a pink bike. But we got to use the hand-me-downs. So my question is, what are you handing down to those you know, to those in the next generation in front of you, to your children, to your grandchildren, to your peers? What are you leaving for them? What are we passing on to those we influence? You know, we reproduce things, what we've seen, and we reproduce them to those we're going to see. And so you can be passing down addiction. You can be passing down all kinds of things because the Bible says train up a child as they should go, and when they're old, they're not stray from what they've, they've learned. I'm paraphrasing. So when they've learned bad things, it's tempting for them to reproduce. They've been handed down bad habits. They've been handed down depression. They've been handed down alcohol, drug use. And so the question is, what are you handing down? It can be good and it can be not so good, but you're handing down something. And we all will go through a window where we're handing off something else. We can be reproducing the curse from last generation or we can break the cycle. We can break the cycle. It's hard to break a cycle you don't know you're in. That's why you need fresh, fresh eyes on you sometimes. Because when you realize you're reproducing the same thing, you say, I don't want that life for my kids. I'm going to break the cycle. And they won't, they won't speak to me no more because I went and did something different. And they don't like it that I did something different. But my, my greatest love, according to the scripture, is my child and my Jesus. And so I have to do what's best for them. And so I got to break the cycle even when it hurts, even when it, when it divides. I hate it that mothers will turn against daughters and fathers against son, the Bible says, for his name's sake. But sometimes you got to break the cycle. You're passing on a legacy to someone else in the process. What, pro what legacy are you building? We have right now, this is an opportunity to change the course for the next generation. Tradition. I always say we're not tradition, we're Jesus. What's your traditions? We don't have none. We follow Jesus. Because traditions are habits, and sometimes they're not good habits. It depends what the tradition is. I mean, we have certain traditions, like, you know, we go to my mom's or something on, on, on Thanksgiving, and then we got a tradition, and then we got other traditions that, that aren't what we think they are, and we keep doing them because that's just what we know. We never stop to think about what are we doing. Is that in the Bible? Does that have anything to do with God? Oh, it absolutely has nothing to do with God. But I've been taught all my life that that's a Christian thing. Oh, I didn't know that. See, it takes a hungry heart to evaluate what they've been taught and if the cycle needs to be broke. And until, it takes work, you know. Like, it's easier just to go with the flow. Everybody else does it. That's what I know. That's what, that's what my family does. I'm just going to keep doing it. It's easier. I don't have to be accountable. How many member, how many member managing the unmanaged and accountability? Acquired accountability a few weeks back. God wants us to embrace accountability. But traditions are meant to be broken in certain cases, and some are good. But we have to evaluate, what are we passing on? We allow these things in for good, and we allow these traditions in for bad, and sometimes it's okay to change if it makes it better. It doesn't mean you're, you're hating on your, your family because they did it one way. It means, it means a new thing has come, and maybe you'll touch them in the process. That's what we're really trying to do is touch them in the process 
if we found something better, we want to hand it up and hand it down. We hand it up to the people who gave us life, and we hand it down to the children that come next. We give it because we've been given. And the life we live right now is setting a tone for the children's future. So what's your message? What are you handing down? What are they seeing you do? Because they'll copy you. They'll copy you like uh, the video... (laughs) Chloe gets some toy. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Whoa, that's my line when she's three. See, they copy you. They copy you when you say that thing you didn't mean to say either and you didn't know they heard you. They copy you when you learned your angry, your anger traits. They copy you when they learn frustration and you, you realize they're turning into impatient young little children. And you're like, why are you acting that way? And they said, I saw you, Dad. Do it. What are you handing down? We're talking about legacy. What is a legacy? Why is it a legacy? It's what you hand down. And legacies reveal truth. That's why they last. Because truth doesn't die. If it's not truthful, it won't last. It's a myth. But a real legacy, like the the Christ, there's truth. And it lasts. And a legacy stays honest. It stays real. It stays truthful. That's why it lasts. You know why the Bible has stood the test of time, even with all the convoluted translations out there, it has stood the test of time because they can't conquer the the statistical facts that over 40 authors wrote in harmony from all different walks of life, over 1,500 years of writing, that all the prophecies that Jesus would be pierced with his side and be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, and they would hang him on a cross, and his legs would not be broken. And there's all these these truthful details of prophecy that add value, that make the legacy last. They can't defeat the word. That's why the word is undefeated and always will be because it's truth. And legacies are based on truth. Legacies declare truth. What's so cool about God? Sorry, I just spit on my pulpit. That's the first time. That's so nice. I'm going to edit that out. I just say whatever. Y'all are going to say, he's just so not professional. I I can't help it. It's what God called me to do. I didn't say it'd be good. I'm just saying. I love y'all. I love y'all. Isn't it funny how Pilate, Pontius Pilate, you know, governor, Roman, he was in charge of putting the execution together, even though in his heart he knew the truth. He was stuck in the middle. And isn't it funny how he wrote a statement on the, on the, on the, um, on the cross, not uh, accusation. The scripture was mad. The Jews were mad because Pilate wrote it with truth. There was no conjecture. See, God will position things to pull the conjecture out and only leave you with truth. And then you have nothing you can argue against when you've got the raw word of God in your face. It says, Jesus Christ, King of the Jews, because he was, even though they didn't think so. He already was, because the plan was from the beginning. Okay? He was, just because they hadn't seen it yet. They didn't understand it yet. It was going to take a long time. On the day of Pentecost, I bet they knew what it was. I bet they go, you know what? I think maybe we made a mistake. Just because they hadn't understood it yet doesn't mean it wasn't truth taking place. When he rose again, that was kind of an indicator that maybe something was up. But see, tradition will stop even people from today acknowledging that he was the Messiah. Though it's so clear. Because truth is what upholds his legacy how we rep our relationships in our life, are we doing it with truth? 
Are we being truthful? Well, it's just a white lie. It's white. I didn't know lies had color. I mean, I never thought about that, but do lies have color? They don't. A lie is a lie. Even when I took that orange Tic Tac, Jen, back in, I was like seven years old, I took that orange Tic Tac and I dare out of the um, Tic Tac container in the checkout at Schnucks. And as a Schnucks, I think my, my aunt worked at. And I took a Tic Tac. I stole it. I, I lied. I cheated. But thankfully, you know, it was just a Tic Tac. But evidently, that's, that's like a white lie or something. I don't know. I think it was kind of a brown one or a mixed yellow lie. I don't really know what color it was. I was only seven. People remember those who don't waver. Truth doesn't waver. Legacies don't waver. That's why they last. They'll stand strong even when you fall. Even when Jesus died on the cross, oh, see, if he was really the son of God, he'd say he'd come off the cross. Even when he died, he still was standing strong and actually conquering death. Thank you for crucifying me, he was saying, because you don't even know what's about to go down. It stands strong even when we fall. Even when you think your life's over and you can't recover from that marriage or that divorce and your kids won't speak to you and I just, I, I'm no good. It's not true. That's the devil's game and he's a liar. The Bible says he's the father of it. As long as you have air to breathe, you'll hear me say that all the time. As long as you have air to breathe, you have an opportunity to reinvent the legacy you're building in those you influence. Jesus established an unshakable legacy. His word does not have cracks. And in such a dishonest world, here's the cool thing. Truth penetrates hearts like warm butter in butter knives. People are starving for raw, real people. They're starving for real. They don't want perfection. They want real. They're starving for it. And God's word is real. And it's definitely not an easy coasting journey when you're in God's gospel and God's word. There's ups and downs, but it's real. And that's what penetrates hearts like butter because it's truthful. And that's why it lasts. And that's why people want to share it with others. The other thing a legacy does that's good and a real legacy is it produces fruit. Because like we said, children will reciprocate what they see and hear. And so you're producing some kind of fruit that they're absorbing in their harvest, they're reaping in the harvest you built. So it's going to stay alive and someone has to Keep the candle burning through the inheritance. So if you want your children to do as God would have them to do, it's up to you to train them the way they should do it. Well, that takes, I just think, it, let them choose on their own. Their child, their brain's not ready to choose. They can't make adult decisions when they're five-year-old. Their brain's still developing. They need guidance, just like we need guidance from our God. Children need guidance from their parents. We're mentoring into them the way they should go by giving them a legacy that lasts and legacies produce fruit. Your investment today, everybody say, your investment today leads to the fruit your children will reap tomorrow. I always pray, God, lead my child, lead my children. He says, when I can lead you, that's when I can lead them because you're going to be how I lead them. When I can lead you, I can lead them. What legacy are you building? Furthermore, whose legacy 
are you building? There's only one that lasts. My name's already in the book of life. I don't need you to remember PJ. I want you to remember Jesus. So when I die from this earth, there's only one name you need to take into heaven with you because my name's already in the book of life and your name will already be in the book of life. So we don't need recognition from people because we've already been recognized by our Savior. So my goal as a Christian is to share Jesus, not me. Is to share Jesus, whose legacy, his legacy, what's it about? It's about him and his cause and his mission through death do us part on this earth. If y'all could stand this wonderful morning in the house. Yes, brother. He heard me, he heard me last week say he's going to preach soon. And now he's putting me on the spot, calling me out. Little Michael. Your investment by being here right now may be changing two generations from you to be a kingdom changer, and you don't even know it. You think you're just going to church. But maybe one little seed will land differently today or last week or this year or something that two generations from now, they're doing something great for God, and, and, and you don't even know how it got there because one waters, one plants, God gives the increase. You're planting seed. One seed becomes millions of seeds. We're planting seeds here. God will give the increase. God will multiply his house. God's word is faithful. God is faithful to his children. When we wholeheartedly go all in for Jesus, we'll produce fruit. His legacy will continue to produce fruit. Don't doubt your efforts. Don't disqualify from being part of the greatest legacy that ever existed and will always exist. Go all in for Jesus. Oh, it's going to be crazy right now. We're going to say something together. You say, I am going all in for Jesus Christ. I am going all in for Jesus Christ. And if you're scared to say it, it's because the devil don't want you to say it. Because when you say it, something's going to happen here. So we're going to do it one more time. I am going all in for Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Let's give him a shout of praise right now. If you think it matters, if you think God is building something, he is, and you will see the fruits of it through his legacy. We're going to pray real quick, and then we're going to worship, and we're going to go on our day and remember the mission of God's legacy in this world. Through 1C Church, we will change lives by his word touching their soil. If you could bow your heads with me, I encourage you to lift a hand to the heavens right now. No one's looking. If you want to lift two hands, I'd do it, but I got a microphone in my hand. Lift your hands to the heaven. And God, we come right now to you, God. We are standing before your throne. And we are thankful that we have such a raw, transparent gospel that is hiding nothing from our spiritual eyes. That if we embrace it, we can trust it and we can test it because it is proven. And I don't have to worry about standing on shaky soil when I'm living through your legacy, God, because your word is forever. your promise endures forever and greater are you that is in me than anyone that is in this world and I will fear no one because I stand on the rock of ages the rock of my salvation and I will go as far as you will let me God I want everything you have for me God we just we're just tipping the iceberg God I don't know about you Lord I don't know about this Bible thing I don't know about this get excited for Jesus thing but I know I want the best you have for me so God I ask this week that though it's kind of weird right 
right now and I don't really get it, that you open my eyes, God, and let me know that there's something more to this, that there is a blessing in the zeal for the Lord, that I will shout the praises because, oh, Bethlehem, the Messiah has come according to the prophecy. Just like then, we will shout praises to your name because we know what your legacy is and that it will stand forever. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, amen.